I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute, and if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan, I'm your host, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. We have so much to discuss today, as usual, but I feel like the celebrity news has just really been popping lately, so we got a lot to cover. Okay, first off, Nicola Peltz and Brooklyn Beckham got married last weekend at her dad's huge $123 million mansion estate in Palm Beach, so pretty close to where I live, uh, on the you know on the other side of the water, and and I was really hoping for an A-list celebrity sighting, but that did not happen. A lot of celebs attended. Uh, Serena was there. Mark Anthony DJed. Obviously, Posh Spice, David Beckham. You know they're very connected. So there was a lot of celebs around. A lot of them were staying at the Four Seasons. I noticed and a lot of them were at the breakers. So I should have gone and kind of hung out there, but I didn't. Alas, you know, I'm sure they were, I wasn't going to see any of them. They were probably sequestered in their own little area, but I wanted it to happen. You know, I really wanted something to report back to you guys. Unfortunately, nothing, but I do have a blind item about the pelts coming at the end of this episode. So stay tuned for that. Oh my gosh. So remember a couple weeks ago when I talked about the article in the cut with Candace Bushnell? She's the uh, author of Sex in the City. And she did one of those nights out with Brock Collier. He's the author of that series. It's a newsletter. He goes out with various sort of levels of celebrity and parties with them for a night and then writes about it. They're very entertaining to read. So I did a TikTok kind of just covering what I had discussed about that article. I basically started out by saying she seemed kind of rude, mainly because she was really hating on Sarah Jessica Parker, and the rest of it just seemed kind of unhinged. But based on what I know about Candace, I really don't think she was... Like, I think she says things jokingly and sarcastically, but I think the subject matter she was talking about are actual life experiences she's had and actual thoughts she's had. So someone commented on the TikTok and said, can people stop reading stuff so literally? She was obviously kidding with all this. And don't worry, guys, I'm not bitching about these type of comments. These comments are so just normal on TikTok. People just want to comment snarky shit, whatever. I don't care. They can. It's engagement. (laughs) So I commented back and I said, I disagree, but okay. (laughs) And then this is the point I'm getting to. Brock Collier himself, the author of these articles, liked that comment. And I feel bad because when he liked this comment, there was also a comment on my TikTok from someone saying, okay, but the author of these articles seems insufferable and they capitalized insufferable. Uh, so I doubt he liked that comment. (laughs) Anyways, I just thought it was crazy that he liked it because I've asked him to be on the pod before and I'm like, now is this my breakthrough? Do I just like screenshot that and send it to him and be like, I see you liked my singular, uh, comment on the stupid TikTok I made. Would you want to come on my podcast? Like, I know it's a long shot, but maybe it's my end I've been looking for. (laughs) Okay. I have some Rihanna news that I'm not, I'm sad to say. But first, before we get into that, I have to say how good she looked in Vogue. I haven't read the article in the interviewing yet. I should have done that before we got into this, but she just looks so unbelievable. I was kind of starstruck by that and was distracted by that. So there's some rumors going around, and I first saw this news from at Louis underscore via underscore Roma on TikTok, and he broke the news that apparently ASAP Rocky cheated on Rihanna with Amina Muadi and that's why they're broken up. There's been no confirmation that they're broken up. But the reason I find this so fascinating is because Amina Muadi makes 
beautiful, stunning shoes. I've wanted a pair of them. There's lots of knockoffs of them now. And she's partnered with Rihanna to make a lot of shoes for her, for her campaigns. And allegedly, Amina and Rihanna had a kind of, I don't know if it was a working relationship or a friendship, but allegedly, Re followed her on Instagram and now has unfollowed her. I know that's not like the best way to gauge, you know, if some people are having a falling out because it is hard to kind of track if they were following each other in the first place. But I just find it so crazy that like it's not anything new for celebrities to cheat or people in general to cheat, but for him to cheat with Amina. And honestly, I, you know, I I put blame equally on both parties, but shitty of Amina if they did have a friendship and a relationship. And I feel like Amina has Rihanna to credit for a lot of her fame and come up in the shoe world. So I don't know. I could go into this a lot more just on my thoughts on it and cheating in general, but I'm actually going to be on the Ready to Be Petty podcast. It's my first time being a guest on a podcast. I'm so excited. It's hosted by Tori. We're recording that this week and she says it'll be out like next weekend, I believe. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And I think that's going to be one of the subjects we get into, but we'll be discussing a lot more. So, you know, just just stay tuned. Um, and obviously, Rihanna's pregnant. And I just, ugh, it's just so awful like to be cheated on while you're pregnant just seems like a new level of awfulness like as if it's not already awful enough speaking of babies cardi b and offset just had another child and they named their newest baby wave set and i think that's actually really cute like i feel like people are gonna hate on it i maybe it's because i'm a florida girl through and through i love like beach themed names and so i think wave is just really adorable i like i love it i might steal it for my child Okay, so I want to talk about how the Kardashian PR team has been cranking lately. So it was almost impossible not to talk about them in this episode because I swear every cut email that I was getting had one, if not two, Kardashian articles. And if you go on the cut website, it's just a lot of what's on there. Obviously, the PR team is cranking for the Kardashians because their Hulu new show, it just dropped yesterday. I sadly have not watched it yet. That's my homework for the weekend. I need to read the Rihanna Vogue interview and I need to watch the new Kardashian show. I've been watching Severance on Apple TV and that's been really like fucking with my mind and I've been getting into that. So I've I've been distracted. We also binged um, uh, Yellow Jackets, which was so good. Shout out to my friend Amanda for letting me use her Showtime login because that's the only reason I hadn't watched it yet. Guys, talk about another mindfuck, but that show was good. If you have Showtime, get into that show. I had everything I kind of like like in a show. It is very gory, though. I could have done with a lot less gore. Okay, anyways, back to the Kardashians. So the I just like couldn't not talk about them because, again, I think, you know, I said it was kind of the end of an era when their E! show ended and this is the beginning of a new era, but from what I've heard, uh, just rumblings online, it's not super groundbreaking or different than the show on E!, but some people are saying it is kind of refreshing and a little bit less filtered, And but we know with the Kardashians that every single move they make, it goes through a PR lens. It's very calculated it's um they they manipulate the press coverage they do it better than anyone else and that's why you can't go very long without hearing about them it's just a fact i think even the casual consumer of pop culture or one who doesn't try to consume it at all would acknowledge this fact that 
their PR team is just on a different level. But again, I wanted to share some of my favorite stories that I'd seen in this coverage uh, leading up to their show. And again, this coverage doesn't even have to do with their show directly. That's kind of the genius of it because it gets you talking about them in quote unquote like an organic way, which is totally not organic at all. But again, these were some of my most favorite uh, things that came out. So she was on, I'm sorry, Kim was on the Ellen DeGeneres show because as we know, the Kardashians are on Ellen like all the time. She says when she's talking about, you know, wearing uncomfortable clothes on red carpets, she says, I don't care how uncomfortable, I don't care how long, even if I have to wear a diaper and not go to the bathroom, I don't care what I have to do about sacrificing comfort for fashion. And (laughs) she says she does have adult diapers at her disposal, but she's been able to hold it so far. And the reason she has adult diapers is she says, I actually bought adult diapers when I took the bar exam because I didn't know how it worked. So I thought I had to sit there for eight hours straight. Uh, She ended up getting up for bathroom breaks during the test, but she still has the diapers. And guys, no joke. I literally think I've talked about this on here before, but I had this same concern. I almost wore a diaper to the bar exam because I was so unclear about bathroom use. They, they need to make that more clear when you're like, that should be part of your uh, bar prep. Like, don't worry, guys, like you will have time to take some short bathroom breaks. You know, it's it's really not going to make or break it for you. But the thing is, you don't really know how it's going to work. You don't know where you're going to be seated in this massive convention room with 2000 other people. And on top of that, you're on a time crunch and you kind of feel like you literally don't have the two minutes to spare to go to the bathroom. And I'm not kidding. I swear. I don't know because obviously she had pants on over it. I swear there was a girl wearing a diaper and I was just like props girl like I do not blame you for one second I had the same thought and speaking of Kim in the bar I also love that another thing that was getting coverage this week was that Kim's essay answer on the baby bar uh, was actually used as a model answer so this is a really common thing oh I'm sorry guys it's it is thundering and lightning outside so if you hear that in the background that's what's going on we're having one of our classic Florida torrential downpours which is kind of sad because I'm recording this on my day off and I was very excited for like a lovely day out and like a little bit of day drinking but if that's happening it's happening inside <laughs> Anyway, so model prompts. So this is actually something that we definitely do in Florida too. They take like the highest scoring prompt and or I'm sorry, essay answer. And then they use it as an example for other students to see kind of how uh, an essay answer should be, you know, what, what a prime example of, of like how you can score the most points. And it's not really uh, giving the recipe away, so to speak, because each year the bar prompts are completely different subjects. You have no idea what subject it's going to be on, but it shows you kind of how to go about answering the prompt and sort of how you should be looking for um I, I, I don't even remember the verbiage anymore because it's been so long since I took the bar exam, but just point issue spotting, basically how to issue spot and answer all the issues that you can and that's the thing about these like you're never going to be able to answer all the issues because they put so many in there usually so I know we're, we're getting a little insular here but I just thought it was crazy that Kim's was the best one and chosen for that and it could be because less people I don't know the actual numbers on how many people take the baby bar 
I would think it's significantly less than people who are taking the traditional bar exam in California just because of the sort of odd way um, and rules that go into being eligible to take the baby bar. But again, I got to give her props. Like, I know she failed it three times, but on your fourth time having the model answer, like, you go, girl. And then my other favorite coverage had to do with uh, Pete Davidson and Kim. So the first thing was Kim posted an Instagram with her and Pete. They're clearly at John and Vinny's because I've been to this very John and Vinny's with my mom. And first up on the table, they have the ham and Yeezy pizza. Yeezy is obviously one of Ye's nicknames and the pizza was named after them. So I don't know if they just really wanted the ham and Yeezy pizza or this was just another blatant attempt to keep them in the news because they know people are going to talk about this shit. Uh, They also had a Diet Coke can on the table, which like I'm a shameless Diet Coke drinker. I know it's not good for me. I try to limit it. I wouldn't say I'm like a full on addicted, but there's certain foods that like nothing hits better than a Diet Coke. My favorite Diet Coke on the hierarchy is actually the ones you get from those remix machines that they have at like Moe's. I always get them at the AMC theaters. So my favorite thing to do is get a caffeine free because I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to ingest that much caffeine at 9 p.m. when I'm seeing a movie. So I get the caffeine free diet Coke cherry and I add a little vanilla in. Mm, There is literally nothing better. So I love John and Vinny's actually. I, (laughs) like I said, I went there with my mom and she's like one of those girls, gals who doesn't really eat carbs. So I ordered the Fusiliala vodka and I housed that shit myself. And I also used their recipe that's posted on Bon Appetit to make mine at home. And it's so good. I know I've literally had that as a legit shit before that recipe. If you haven't tried it yet, like what are you doing? It's so easy. Now I make it with a cashew cream that I've talked about on here. So you know, if you want, if you want like some tips from me on how to make it delicious, just just message me on Instagram at uh, Bailey Evan or at Kind of Cute Podcast. So I just thought it was so funny they got the ham and easy pizza, and then there was also coverage about Kim and Pete going on a double date with Jeff Bezos of you know billionaire Amazon fame and his girlfriend Lauren Sanchez. Apparently, they were on a double date at a wine bar, I believe, and. I don't know. I I would love to be a fly on the wall in that conversation like so many of the things I talk about because I want to know like why is Pete now not going to space? I support that decision. I just kind of want to know what went down. Anyways, I know some people absolutely hate Kardashian coverage. I feel like that's part of what keeps them talked about is because of how polarizing they are. But again, with their show premiering on Hulu and the press blitz, like the absolute press blitz that happened, I just had to touch on it, guys. Okay, I couldn't resist. Uh, Okay, this is something that I meant to mention a while back and just totally slipped my mind. But we had talked on here about how Amanda Bynes was trying to You know, she had petitioned to terminate her conservatorship. She was under hers for nine years, so very similar to what Britney Spears was under. Um, And it was actually terminated back at the end of March. So I'm so happy for her. And I hope hope, uh, not having her conservatorship in place will be positive for her. And I don't know, again, I just, I love Amanda Bynes. She's uh, created so much good content over the years that I've enjoyed. So speaking of Britney Spears... Uh, she kind of made a strange pregnancy announcement on Instagram that left people scratching their heads. But I totally think she is pregnant. And it was kind of confirmed by her, who she refers to as her husband. There's no confirmation that they're legally married. They are engaged. But Sam, he posted on his Instagram kind of confirming that he's going to be a father. 
you know, just again, so much celebrity news, guys. We also have JLo and Ben Affleck getting engaged. And I don't know. I don't even, I'm so over them. I was really excited when they first got together because I was just like, oh, this is like the ultimate PR move. Y2K, like throw it back. Love it. Now I'm kind of over it. I mean, I wish them happiness, but JLo's been engaged so many times that you kind of never know when it's really going to stick. I I really don't say that with any sort of judgment. It's just sort of a historical fact about how her relationships have gone. But again, I wish them all the best. Like, get down. Go, you know, I, I hope Jennifer Gardner and her like have Kiki together. I hope their kids are friends. I love it. I like it more, you know, Ana de Armas and him were a wild ride. But I think this is like a more lasting relationship. Okay, I have been listening to the Julia Fox and Nikki Takesh podcast. It's called Forbidden Fruits. It's a Spotify exclusive. Obviously, people started talking about this podcast a lot when Julia Fox was getting all of this attention because of her very clear PR relationship with Kanye West, which is now over. But I listened to their podcast because they had Caroline Calloway on. And guys, if you want a literal wild ride of a podcast, listen to that episode. She talks about how her book, which again, I pre-ordered back in like 2020. She says it's going to take her three to six years to write it. And it was just so funny because Julia and Nikki were both like, girl, no, 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 no. You need to do it in like three to six months. No one's going to care in that many years. And Caroline's like, no, like I'm confident they will. And I have to give it to Caroline. And she touches on this in the podcast interview. She's like, I know how to keep myself relevant. She says at one point, she's like, all of the virality that came with the dirtiness of my apartment and me painting my floors white and whatever. She's like, that was a learning experience because she realized, she's like, I realized that's kind of maybe what I have to do to get myself back in the press cycle. I'm paraphrasing what she said, but you can tell she's very calculating as well with how to keep her name out there. So I actually have no doubt that in three to six years people will still be talking about her because I almost feel like we don't realize how quickly three to six years goes like three to six years ago yeah there was some celebrities that maybe we were talking about them that we're not talking about now but there's a lot that we're still talking about all that time later you know it's if you are calculated about keeping your name out there it can be done it's kind of my take on it but then I was listening to um, some other interviews they did, and they did one with Zola. And as you guys know, Zola is like a dream guest for me. And that interview was so good, too. I don't know. I have to say, like, Julia kind of takes this very, like, background. She 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 doesn't say much. She kind of lets them speak and tell their story, which I really like in an interviewer. And then I really like Nikki's style because she kind of goes in on them. She would not let it drop with Caroline about the fact that she, like, you know, she has this pending lawsuit. I think I touched on it here about from her landlord, how she owed all these back damages, uh, back rent and damages to the apartment. And Nikki was kind of grilling her on that. She was grilling her on the painting of her apartment. And I appreciate that interview style too. It's, they're a nice balance to each other. So if you're looking for a new podcast, um, definitely check out the Zola episode. If you have no interest in Caroline, the Daniel Miller one was interesting too, because, uh, Nikki really grilled her as well. And if you don't know Danielle Miller, she's there was also um, an article about her being a con artist in The Cut. I didn't actually cover that article because um, Danielle, I, I like don't even know how to say this because it 
it's just uncomfortable because she became known as Swiffer Girl because when she was in high school at Horace Mann, which is a very like she-she high school in New York, a video that she privately sent to a boy was sent around of her uh, self using a Swiffer. And I'm, I'm trying to be delicate here because again, she was 13 years old at the time. This is very clearly child pornography. And because of all of that and that nuance of that, I didn't talk about it on here. But I think it's okay. This is my again, guys. I'm like stumbling over myself because some things are just hard for me to talk about. And that's why I don't cover them on here because I want to do it in a delicate way. But I'm also like, oh, but I also think you're a con artist. So my advice for you is go read the cut article on her and then go listen to the Forbidden Fruits podcast because I think they actually give kind of a balancing. They acknowledge that like what she went through was really traumatizing, but they also don't let it slide that girl like you've been convicted of multiple crimes. So there we go. That That's what I'll say on that. Okay, so this page six article kind of blew my mind. And it says, Sandy Newton was reportedly fired from the new Magic Mike movie after getting into a heated argument on set with Channing Tatum about Will Smith's infamous Oscar smackdown of Chris Rock. Again, I didn't really want to talk about this smack anymore, but I just felt like I couldn't, I don't know, this article spoke to me, this coverage spoke to me. So apparently the feud happened in early April. This was reported by The Sun. It got to, quote, astonishing and unimaginably vicious levels. They say that Tatum stormed off the West London set of Magic Mike's Last Dance and drove off in a car. Apparently, the crew had been filming for 11 days before this happened. And allegedly, uh, Salma Hayek has taken on the role of Thandi Newton. That was reported by Variety. And based on the Sun's coverage, it's... um unclear when this argument took place or what positions Thandi and Tatum took in their debate about the Chris Rock Will Smith altercation but this is what an anonymous source said and in my view this is clearly someone from Channing's camp because they say it was a tense exchange of words but suddenly it escalated. Channing got into this car and he disappeared adding that Newton behaved like a quote diva on the set before the argument. A spokesperson for the movie studio issued a statement to Variety denying the report and claiming Newton quit the movie for personal reasons. So again, I think there's a nuance in this that I can't even touch on, but crazy that this slap has had this sort of ripple effect. And I will say that I totally understand if someone says something that you feel like maybe aligns with their larger views about really important topics and you don't feel supported by that. And I'm not saying this is what happened with Thandi, but this is kind of how I'm imagining it maybe went down, that it might be really hard to work with them, especially because Channing is the main producer on this movie and obviously has a lot of executive decision making. So she probably, again, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm sort of, reflecting on how I would feel if you don't feel supported I can imagine it'd be really hard to stay on set and again we don't know exactly what went down and we probably never will but yeah apparently we are going to have Salma Hayek in the new Magic Mike movie now this is a much lighter 
topic, but this article touched on this. It says the shakeup came after a legion of horny middle-aged women stormed the set in an effort to get a glimpse of Tatum in costume as an oiled up male stripper. And this cites a New York Post article and it said middle, this is the very first line of the article. It says middle-aged ladies in London are lining up to ride Channing Tatum's pony. I'll just leave you with that. And with that, we get into our first uh, official article coverage of the day, starting with an interview magazine article. It's titled Daisy Edgar Jones and Phoebe Bridgers Compared Day Jobs by Phoebe Bridgers. I, before we get into this, have to say that I am shook that Phoebe, er, I'm sorry, that Daisy is only 23 years old. I talked about the movie Fresh on here, the one she did with Sebastian Stan, and I find it even creepier now just based on the subject matter of the movie with Phoebe only being 23 and Sebastian Stan in real life is 39. Again, we realize this is a fictional movie, but it feels even more predatory somehow now. And I think this is largely because my little sister is 23 and she is 100% a child. And you cannot tell me otherwise. Like homegirl, all she does all day is like read YA books, watch anime and crochet, which now that I say it sounds a little granny, but she is a child. And I just like I'm thinking of her having to act this role, uh, uh, you know, opposite Sebastian Stan. And I can't help but cringe. I also didn't realize this pairing is friends, Phoebe Bridgers and Daisy Edgar Jones. But it makes complete sense because Daisy played the love interest of Paul Meskel and her breakout role in Normal People. And Phoebe Bridgers currently dates Paul. And I wanted them to kind of address if it was weird for... <laughs> uh, you know, Phoebe to watch Daisy getting it on with Paul in that show. But alas, they kind of touch on this briefly and we'll get to that, but that's not explicitly covered here. So it starts out with Daisy saying, Phoebe, and Phoebe going, how's it going, dude? Where are you in the world? And she says, I'm in New York, but I'm leaving for LA tomorrow. And Phoebe talks about how she just watched Fresh and that she knew what it was about and it still scared the shit out of me. So cute little opening, like they just seem like pals chatting So then Phoebe asks, what's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten on set? And I'm just jumping around in this interview. I just picked my favorite parts as I normally do. And Daisy says, one of the worst things I've ever eaten was actually for fresh, but it wasn't the meal you'd think. There's a scene where Jojo and I are having a casual chat, eating a breakfast burrito, but the flippy egg we had to eat, that flippy moist egg so many times, even now it makes me feel sick, which I can just imagine like a cold rubbery like Dunkin' Donuts egg. And mind you, I like go ham for a Dunkin' Donuts breakfast sandwich, but a a room temp or cold floppy egg, oh, it kind of makes me want to, (laughs) to bomb. So Phoebe's like, have you ever had to utilize a spit bucket? And Daisy says, you know, I never have, but I do really enjoy watching actors successfully not eat. They're always just about to eat and then they'll say their dialogue. I love watching a fork almost get to the mouth. And I hate that too. I'm like, eat it, damn it. I feel the same way while I'm watching The Bachelor and Bachelorette, which honestly maybe part of the reason I stopped watching those series because when they would just sit there with all the food in front of them I was hungry for them I'm like when are these people eating and I know it's just not attractive to eat on camera and this is a part of the reason why a lot of times reality stars in general like the real housewives too you'll see them at dinner but a lot of times you won't see them actually you know putting the food in their mouth because it's not a very attractive shot but I want to see it man I want to see which food you're going ham on that speaks to me that is relatable I loved there was a little 
couple anecdotes from Phoebe in this that just cracked me up. She says, when I was a kid, I went to a Kelly Clarkson concert, which first iconic. And she says, I was positive that she was going to look out into the audience and be like, is there a singer here? And be like, you kid, get up here. I was positive that I was like the second coming of Bob Dylan. Are you living out a childhood dream? She asked, And I didn't even quote that part, but I just think that anyone with big dreams, you have to be a little bit delusional. Like I consider myself a little bit delusional. It's why I'm delusional enough to think that my little podcast one day, you know, is going to be bought by Spotify or something. I mean, I don't actually think that, but it's kind of what I have to tell myself to keep going sometimes. (laughs) So I think a little bit of delusion in your life is good, you know, and I think it's it's just really cute because now look at Phoebe Bridger. She's out there killing it. And then this anecdote I also found just so eye-opening. It says Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who's the creator of, you know, Fleabag. She's done um, Killing Eve. She's an actress as well. Nepotism baby. She sent an email to Phoebe saying, and this, the other reason I find this funny is because I always confuse Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Phoebe Bridgers, like when I see their name written, just because they're so similar. So, Waller-Bridge sends Bridgert an email saying, if you're super depressed in your house, watch Normal People. It was right in the beginning of COVID. I was like, dude, I've read Normal People. I don't really want to live in that universe right now. And she's like, fucking do it. I'm so glad that I tortured myself in that specific moment. And Daisy says, isn't that crazy though, how life would have been so different had you just not? And again, this is the only sly reference we get to Paul and Phoebe Bridgers dating. But I just want to know, I, I... should have looked this up if Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Phoebe Bridges like how they know each other how they're friends and just the fact that all these famous people know each other and chat I know it's normal to them and like they're just normal people but it always gives me a little chuckle I also want to comment right here that Phoebe Bridgers throughout this article says like so many times and clearly I can relate to that because I know I say it quite a lot on here. I try to limit myself, but it is hard when I get in a flow. So I I like that they did not edit her likes out. And then Daisy admits to at one point wanting a Daisy chain tattoo. And Phoebe says, I'm enabling you, get it. And I have to co-sign that. If your name is Daisy and you don't have a Daisy tattoo, it's to me, it's a missed opportunity. Like, just do it. Just lean into the fact that you're named after a Daisy. Okay, and this is actually our first and only actual cut article coverage of the day, just because um, a lot of the stuff I talked about at the beginning, I pulled from cut articles. So, of course, as usual, all of the articles I kind of pulled from and got my information from are in the show notes. Okay, so this article is Garcelle Bouvet's new book is all about her G-Sabat by Katie Heaney. So this article starts out with saying, Garcelle joined the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills in 2020. She was the franchise's first black housewife and at the time, the only housewife of color. Bouvet has quickly become a fan favorite, injecting some much-needed humor and well-timed call-outs. And I fully agree. I love Garcelle. I think she's that unique mixture of making great TV, but also seeming like the type of woman that you'd love to actually just get a Pinot with, sip on it, and let her talk about her stories and her life because I think she's lived such an interesting life and done so much with it. You know how there's those type of people who you just feel like within a short time span, they've lived a lot of lives. That's kind of how I viewed Garcelle. And now she's published her first book. It's called Love Me As I Am. It's a memoir. Apparently, 
It's full of juicy tidbits like the time Michael Jordan tried to whisk her off to Hawaii and delves into her experience explaining racism to her castmates. So it starts out by saying, this is a recurring theme throughout your book, but tell me about your G-spot. And she says, my G-spot's a double entendre about finding Garcelle, finding my voice. For the longest time, I had the disease to please. As I write in the book, in terms of wanting to be the nice girl, my mom taught me how to be nice to a fault, and I had to figure out where my voice was so that I could be nice but still stand up for myself. My G-spot's also who I am, what I do, and what I want to leave behind for my kids. And I think this is so true and something a lot of women struggle with, including myself, because you grow up and you're taught to be have really nice manners and be kind of deferential and it's hard to find that balance between being respectful and deferential and having manners which I think are all really important but also like not letting people walk all over you and disease to please like damn that is a disease I have I I need to brand that on my fucking self because she she really hit the nail on the head with that one and then she said, Katie says, I think fans think of you as one of the more private housewives. So it was illuminating to read some of the stuff in the sex and relationship sections. Did that make you nervous at all? And I actually don't think of Garcelle as super private because I mean, she has her kids on the show. She has her ex-husband. She's shown some of the relationships she's been with on air. So I don't, I think she could be a little guarded, but I don't find her to be overly private. So she says, um, a little bit, just because when I grew up, we didn't talk about sex. You didn't talk about what was happening to your body. Over time, I became more liberated. I mean, when I started my podcast, Going to Bed with Garcelle, that was all about sex and relationships and friendships. It was a journey. And now I'm comfortable with my sexuality and I'm not afraid to talk about it. So this next part, I just love because you guys know I love like a friendship theme. I think platonic love is so important and it never gets enough credit. So she says her favorite part was writing about friendships, the girls that are my front row, as I call them, which I love that. I want to call my girls my front row friends. She says the girls that hold me up and keep me accountable. We have crazy stories. And then she's asked if she had to spend a year on a deserted island with another housewife from any franchise, who would it be? And she says Dorinda seems fun. We've sort of struck up a friendship through social media and she did my podcast and Heather Dubrow. Can I split it half a year with Heather Dubrow and the other half with Dorinda? Oh my gosh. Like I could not agree less. (laughs) I mean, I again find Dorinda really great TV. I think spending time on an island with them would be insufferable. Truly insufferable. Like I would probably choose Garcelle and I don't even know who I'd pick as my other one. Maybe Leah, just from like the entertaining perspective, because I think she would just be wild and like running around with tiki torches. And then they ask, who do you think gets away with the most on your own cast currently? And Garcelle says, and I thought this was a little shady and I loved it. And she says, I would say Lisa Renna. And we know there's been tension between Lisa and Garcelle. They kind of have this very tumultuous relationship. They kind of apologize, make up, but you can tell they're never going to be legit friends. Like, there's an inherent distress there with Garcelle, which I think is kind of merited. Love Lisa on TV. I don't know if I would trust her as a friend. Okay, we've made it to our blind item of the day because this is like a little new series I'm trying out. We tried it for the first time last week. We did some blind items on, oh, who do we do? Ashley Tisdale. So this time I looked up Nicola Peltz. I used Crazy Days and Nights. Disclaimer, as always, take it with a grain of salt you know, they're blind items. There's, they're not verified. They're just kind of shit rumors on the internet, you know, but sometimes they turn out to be true. So 
there wasn't a ton about Nicola Peltz because she's obviously not an A-list actress or anything, but there was a common theme of her being kind of rude, rude to waiters, Brooklyn cheating on her. I found this sort of run of the mill, sadly, like that's, there's just a lot like that with many celebrities, but this is one I found fascinating and it's only tangentially related to her, but it took me down a little bit of a rabbit hole. I'm going to read it to you as it's written first, and then we'll plug in the players. It says, it turns out the billionaire pedophile introduced a model to a fellow billionaire that he did multiple deals with over the years. The model became the wife and now has celebrity offspring. So reading it, plugging in the names, Jeffrey F. Epstein introduced Claudia Peltz to Nelson Peltz, which is who he did multiple deals with over the years. Then Claudia Peltz became Nelson's wife and now has celebrity offspring in the form of Nicola Peltz. I mean, surprise, surprise, billionaires being friends. But what I didn't know when I was looking this up to kind of confirm their relationship is that both Nelson Peltz and Jeffrey Epstein were part of a group that bid for New York Magazine i.e. what this very podcast is based on back in 2003. Now, ownership has changed over the years, but and they didn't end up buying it. It ended up being bought by Bruce Wasserstein at that time back in 2003. But listen to this paragraph that was in the New York Times. It's a measure of the allure of New York Magazine that a group of cold-eyed wealthy executives is prepared to hold hands and jointly contribute more than $50 million to buy a publication that has made little money in the last three years for Primedia Inc. This group, led by Mortimer B. Zuckerman, owner of the Daily News and U.S. News and World Report, is the presumptive favorite. Mr. Zuckerman's group includes Nelson Peltz, a billionaire investor whose triart companies owns Arby's Restaurants, Jeffrey Epstein, a money manager with his own claim to the Billionaires Club, Donnie Deutsch, chief executive of Deutsch Inc., who sold the advertising agency for hundreds of millions of dollars several years ago, and Harvey Weinstein, co-chairman of Miramax Films. I mean, can you think of a more disgusting group of people? If that doesn't just scream corruption and disgusting white men i don't know what does and to me that sort of confirms the blind almost because clearly there was a tie between nelson peltz and jeffrey epstein and dude this mortimer zuckerman guy if this is who you're associating with and who knows you know maybe they were just associated on a money level but i don't feel like that's the way deals are done you know deals are done over a fat bloody steak and glasses of scotch with maybe a golf game afterwards and you cannot tell me that all these people were not pals all right guys we're almost going to get to our legit shit but before we get to that i want to say uh please leave a review if you haven't already on spotify it's a rating on apple Podcasts. please re- please leave a review and rating if you could as usual follow me on instagram at bailey evan we're at Kind of Cute Podcast. I would love to also see you on TikTok. I'm at Bailey Evan on there as well. I say it every time, but I love to hear from you guys in the DMs. Thank you to Catherine for reaching out to me after my last episode. She taught me about colonoscopies. Uh, she talked about fabletics not being the greatest quality in her, her, her opinion. So I really appreciated that feedback. If you ever have anything to comment on, uh, that I talked about, even if I just got something wrong, like feel, feel free to point that out too. I don't really mind. Um, you know, hopefully one day this podcast gets to the point where there's so many of you that I can't even keep up with these messages, but for now I'll always respond and I love hearing from you. So reach out and now for today's legit shit. <laughs> 
So I know I recently talked about a glow recipe item. I talked about the Plum Plump moisturizer. And maybe it's too soon to talk about another one, but I purchased this in the Sephora sale and I'm really liking it so far. And it's the Glow Recipe Watermelon Glow Niacinamide Dewdrops. And niacinamide in general is just such a great skincare ingredient. When you hear from dermatologists about what they recommend, a lot of times it's sunscreen, uh, retinol of some sort, or, you know, uh, tretinoin or niacinamide. And if you look at the benefits of niacinamide, there are so many of them. And there's tons of products on the market right now that have niacinamide in them. But I think anything that you can kind of use as a serum and leave and let soak in is really great. And from what I've read, the only thing you really can't mix them with is vitamin C. So if you're using a vitamin C serum, which is also another great skincare ingredient, use one in the morning, one at night, you know, mix it up, use them on different days. Again, I'm not an expert, but I do love reading about skincare, as you guys can probably tell, because so many of my legit shits have to do with skincare. Um, But it just feels so nice to put on right after you apply it. It is like a little bit sticky, but that kind of goes away. And it has what I think is a really nice uh, watermelon fragrance. But if you're opposed to fragrances, maybe try a different type of niacinamide. And it is a little artificial. It's a little Jolly Rancher, but I like it and it dissipates really quickly. So that's it for this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed and I will talk to you soon. Bye.